Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Happy Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful holiday. We were uh, 10 plus years in China, so we didn't get to really uh, celebrate much this holiday. But last year, we arrived around this time, and me and my family went to Brahms, and we watched the fireworks while eating some delicious, you know, whole milk, fresh from the cow, handmade Oklahoma ice cream, and it felt good to be back in America. Amen. <laughs> I think Brahms is one of the best things in America. In China, a scoop of ice cream cost maybe $13, $14 for a scoop. Here at Brahms, and this is a promotion I'm doing for Brahms. <laughs> Here at Brahms, my whole family could have ice cream for $4.75 with tax. So praise God, we're glad to be in America. Needless to say, I have plumped up since I've been in China. We spent every day last summer eating Brahms, but uh, maybe today we'll have some more Brahms too, amen. But I just found out, I was telling our leaders today, that Brahms does have a sugar-free option. Have you, try, have you tried anybody here? Yeah, how's it taste? Better than nothing. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, amen, amen. Well, that's like Minister Frank, too. He's been eating sugar and gluten-free, carb-free, for no white flour and no sugar for 14 years, something like that, 15 years. So, amen. So, hopefully God has put these people around me to, to influence me. Hallelujah. But it is the 4th of July, and we're blessed to be here. Uh, and we thank all of our visitors. And there is a warm sheet of welcome here for you, always awaiting. I see uh, five or six visitors. Do we have any, huh? The chocolates? Did they get the chocolates? Are we out of chocolates? Yeah, if we could grab that one. We have a couple chocolates. If you, We'll get one per couple. Uh, Oh, okay. Well, we could do the bears, too. Yeah. But the lady who doesn't eat chocolate, don't give her any. I mean, <laughs> we're going to have to get the lilies sugar-free. Yeah, she'll get the bear, and then you'll get the chocolates, right? <laughs> Amen. Blessed to be here in the house of God today. Good to see everybody here this beautiful summer day. It is the fourth. A lot of people are traveling. 
but uh, we are uh, welcome everybody here. The visitors is always a warm seat of welcome here for you, and our brother Don is going to run down and grab you some some gifts. We like to give gifts. Amen. We have an exciting summer uh, announced. TD said that we're celebrating our one year here in 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 the church, in one year in Oklahoma, one year at the river, and that's going to be at the end of this month. And we're going to be doing a lot of different outreaches and so forth in, in evangelism and we have all kinds of things when we do outreach we give away cars we give away televisions we give away uh bicycles and toys and uh, we give away uh, you know a truck full of groceries and we like to give away a lot of things because that's bait and with that bait you could bring in the fish so the fish could come in and when they see those great baits uh, when you tell people come and hear us preach you're not going to get a lot of people. But when you come and say, when a 52-inch flat-screen television, <laughs> you're going to get more people. Amen. So we're excited to have a, a summer of harvest, a summer of outreach. And our evangelism director here, Frank Vivanqua, is going to be working with now John that's come here back, you know. And so let's welcome John back again. I heard the welcome earlier today, but welcome you back. I just flew in from Iowa, too. I think my ears are still clogged. <sighs> Amen. Hallelujah, I just got back too from Iowa. Well, we had great meetings out there. So we're excited about a summer of harvest. Clayton, or Clay, Clay and your wife, welcome back. We've also missed you. Let's give them a hand clap. Oh, look, the baby's clapping too. And she's wearing her 4th of July outfit there. Amen. We were discussing about for the 4th of July and what we're going to do today and what kind of video to play. And then we saw your pickup truck drive up with the flags and I said, we have to play that video today. <laughs> but I am proud to be an American. And uh, we are, you know, we do need to s win back our country. We do need to fight and win back our country. And we, my wife, we're just kind of getting settled back here. It is part of the vision to open up our school of government, which we began in China. And so it is part of the vision to open up our school of the government, which is called All Nations School of Government. And it is going to take a little bit of time for us to get settled in in the property and then me and my wife to get settled in in our home. So we've just bought a home last Friday to God be the glory. Amen. And now we're just trying to find my socks and underwear. So <laughs> once we unpack and we get settled in, you can bring the gifts, Yeah. Once we get unpacked and settled in, these are your 4th of July gifts right here. Happy 4th of July for our visitors with chocolates. I believe those are Russell Stover's. Best in America. He can have the chocolates, you can have the bear. There you go. Welcome. Welcome. It's a little token of appreciation. Amen. You can give John a welcome back bear. <laughs> and John, if you don't want the bear, you can bless the baby back there with the bear. Did you get one of those, Clay? You got, did you get one? The bear? But you didn't get the bear. Oh, there's another bear. Okay, we got a bear for the baby. One more. Thank you, Donnie. Donnie's lost 30 pounds just running up and down these stairs. <laughs> Amen. So we're blessed to celebrate the 4th of July, and we do need to win our country back. We'll be you know, God willing, moving forward with the school of government, and we'll be doing things like that uh, here in this church, training people how to influence this nation. You need to have all kinds of troops. Listen, God just 
doesn't want to just save the down and out. It's one thing to always go into the ghettos and to the poors and to the trailer homes and to preach to them, and that's one thing. But oftentimes, we find that people are more comfortable doing that than they are preaching to uh, bankers, CEOs, um, you know, po po politicians, government leaders, Senate and Congress. And we have a lot of people, t typically, when you talk about outreach and church evangelism, most ministries in America focus on the poor and the needy. But how many know you can be poor and needy and be rich? The Bible says in Revelation, you think that you say you have this, you have that, you're prosperous, you have money, and Jesus said you're actually naked, you're poor, and you're blind. So you can have money and be, I mean... <laughs> Some of the worst people in the world are rich people. You know, you, you find more, you know, sick pedophiles in the elite community than you do, you know, in, 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 in the, uh, you know, in the, in the trailer park. Those guys will, will, will beat you up if you're, you're a pedophile, you know what I mean? So you, but in the elite communities, they all hang out together and, and, and swap kids. I mean, you find sick, sick people in the upper echelons of society. And they're involved in all kinds of satanic and demonic worship. And so we need to save those guys too. You know, we need to save these social engineers, these elites, these government leaders, because they are part of a demonic world system. And when you study the Bible, you see that there's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and heavenly places. And there is a certain order of demon powers that rule in government. They operate in the presidency. They operate in the halls of Congress and parliament. And those are, those are ruled by demonic powers, and we need to train people who can go and reach them. So our school of government is about raising up Daniels and Esthers, raising up people that can uh, deal on a high level in society with the fire of God and the power of the Holy Spirit who could bind devils in Congress. Amen and get people saved hallelujah so that's you know we could call that the air force so we want to train the air force in god's army but then we also have the the army who goes into the streets into the neighborhoods the highways and the byways and we're going to be doing that here in the future amen in the next coming days the next coming weeks preparing for a, a big outreach here at the end of the month july i think 31st i believe it is so that's going to be exciting popcorn machine uh, snow cone machine, bouncy house. Uh, Donnie's going to convert this hill into a water slide, and we're going to have a all kinds of hot dogs, and we're going to have an outreach, give away groceries and all kinds of things. So we're going to just bless the community, bless people. Uh, we're going to go to the lower-income areas. And I heard there's a Christian rapper here today. Christina sent me a message and said there's a lady who is a Christian rapper. Who is that? Is that you? What's your name? That's not a rap name, Alyssa. What kind of rap name is that? <laughs> okay, nice. So it's uh, uh, MC, Melissa. We'll come up with a rap name with you, you know. <laughs> MC Goldilocks, hallelujah. But I've heard your music. I've listened to your, several of your songs, really enjoyed them. Uh, I, you know, hip-hop is my favorite genre of music, you know, because I grew up in the 90s in Chicago. So I heard your music very good. Hopefully you could, uh, we could join with your ministry. I heard you and your husband 
have a ministry doing outreach and stuff. So hopefully we could join and partner with you guys to kind of appeal to that urban, urban flow. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, when I was growing up, hip-hop was kind of like an uh, inner-city thing. And then I think it was Sir Mix-a-Lot who came out with Baby Got Back. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, you know, around that time, Vanilla Ice but somehow rap had left the city, went into the suburbs, and then you could find, you know, white kids in the suburbs driving their Mustang convertibles playing, you know, Baby Got Back, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it left the hood where I was from and ended up in the, in the burbs, and now rap music is, you know, listened to by everybody, amen. Uh, so, you know, it's really a, a great tool to reach people. And for me, it's a great tool to work out in the gym and to drive around. And, you know, I, gotta, I can't listen to Hillsong while I'm in the gym. You know, <laughs> you have to have something with a little rhythm to it. Amen. So let's get in the word of God today. And if you can recall, those of you that were here, we were opened up a series here called Fish Comes First. And we're talking about financial dominion. And let's open up here in a word of prayer before we begin. Father, we come to you now in the name of your son, Jesus. We pray that you would anoint me in these lips of clay to speak forth your word with accuracy, with excellency, and with boldness. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. I thank you, Father God, for the angels assigned to me to this church, to the saints of God here. We ask you to move in this place, Father God. We honor the kingdom. We honor the presence of God. We honor the mobile throne of God. We honor, Father God, the gifts, the ministrations of the Spirit. We thank you that your word is eternal. It's anointed that it removes burdens and destroys yokes. And Father, we thank you for the ministry of the word and the Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So we are tackling a very interesting and powerful subject. Somebody asked me about six months ago, seven months ago, to teach on uh, financial dominion, and they just wanted me to do that for a fundraiser. They said, Pastor, we need to get some money in the church, teach on financial dominion. But, you know, I don't teach because I, I, I personally, not, nothing wrong with that, but personally, I don't teach and preach subjects based upon who is in the audience or what's going on politically or so on. I really teach and preach subjects based upon what the Holy Spirit impresses on my heart. Amen. So I was teaching and preaching. You know, I started my series on Christmas Day on aliens and demons. So I started on Christmas Day. People got upset and said, you know, he should be teaching on baby Jesus. This is Christmas. But, you know, I did a start a series on aliens and demons. And, and then and when we finished that one, a couple of weeks ago, God spoke to me and said, I want you to teach on this fish comes first. So we're in this subject. I don't know how long we will be in this subject, but every subject in God's word really is inexhaustible. And you could preach, you know, probably you could preach for eternity. I mean, look at this whole ministries, like Casey Treat. You remember Casey Treat, the redhead guy? This whole ministry, their entire ministry has been based on teaching one thing. Casey Treat's thing was renewing the mind, renewing the mind. Entire ministry based on renewing the mind. Some people's entire life and ministry teaching on healing or, or just salvation. You really can't exhaust the subjects of the scripture, Amen. But what I do is I teach a subject until I feel the Holy Spirit says to move on because as a pastor, 
I believe that you have to teach everything in the Bible. You have to teach on holiness. You have to teach on suffering. You have to teach on victory. You have to teach on prosperity. You have to teach on, you know, the, the Holy Spirit. You have to teach on the gifts. You have to teach on purity and character. You have to teach on everything if you want people to be balanced. And then also I've learned as a pastor that not every pastor has every gift. Matter of fact, no pastor has every gift. So you have to have people with other gifts to come in. And something that I found in the body of Christ is that people of a particular stream, they only have guests of that stream in their ministry. So you'll have a Copeland that'll have a conference with a Jesse Duplantis and a Jerry Savelle, and you have basically all the same message and all the same stream and all the same anointing in the same, you know, meeting. So I've always felt like, you know, that it's better to have conferences with totally different opposite, you know, have a demon guy, you know, have a, have a word of faith guy, have a healing guy, and just have different flows come together so people can receive of the different anointings. So I like to teach on, as the Holy Spirit leads me to, so the church of God could be balanced. And we're starting this series on financial dominion. Now, to put you up to speed, those of you who have not been here and have not watched I know the broadcast has been struggling. Some people have been trying to watch, and it's been struggling, and we're working out the kinks, being that we're a new church with just a few people. But I have some of these sermons were recorded high quality and could be found on podcast uh, several weeks posted later on. So to recap today, I want to open up with sharing with you a couple facts about Scripture. Number one is that there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Can you say 22. There are, oh good, you're listening. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. The 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet means light. And the letter for that in the Hebrew, somebody just actually blessed me with some kind of Hebrew thing where you can learn Hebrew quickly. My wife does, she's took Hebrew class. But as the word tav, T-I-A-V, it means light. That is actually the 22nd letter. So the 22nd letter of Hebrew actually means light. So when you get to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 17, you see that God separates the light and the darkness. But you have to remember that it was Jesus in John chapter 8 and verse 12 that said he was the light of the world. And the word light in the Greek is the word phos, F-P-H-O-S. It's where we get the English word photo from because a photo or photography is captured at the exposure of light. So that's why they take the word phos for the word photograph. So the Greek word phos is light, and in light, phos is used in the Greek 22 times in the New Testament, and after the 22nd time, it is John 8, 12. So when you hit the Hebrew grammatical letter for light, you find Jesus for the 22nd time is mentioned saying, I am the light of the world. It's beautiful to see how these prophetic things are sewn together throughout the Bible. Interesting enough, light does not come through the behind. Can you say with me, Pigu? Can you say with me, Pigu? Pigu. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a nice Pigu. <laughs> oh, be careful. You don't know what you're saying. Pigu in Chinese means booty. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
It's one of the first words you learn in Chinese when you, when you go to China. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> Pigu means light. Light don't come through the pigu. It doesn't come through the elbows. Say elbows. Does it come through the knees? Doesn't come through the hands. Where does light enter the body? Yeah, it enters through the face. It enters through the eyes. The eyes are the windows to the... So you know that you understand that light comes through the skull. Do you know that the skull, the, 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 the face of your, of your head, has 22 bones? Isn't that interesting? Why is it 22 bones in the face? Because that's where light would enter. It would enter through your face. It would come through the eyes. Amen. In the womb, we just had a baby in the back there. In the womb, it is after 22 days of conception that the heartbeat begins to normalize and the baby's heartbeat goes to about 72 beats per minute. From Adam to Jacob, we find there was 22 generations. We find another interesting fact about the number 22, that 22 is the keys of David. If you turn to Isaiah 22 and verse 22, let's take a look at what it says there on the screen. Isaiah 22, 22, these are the keys of David. We'll wait for them to get on the screen. Isaiah, not Jeremiah. Isaiah 22, 22. We find the keys of David. It says, and the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall open, excuse me, and he shall shut and none shall be opened. So the keys of David is that you would be able to access doors that nobody can close. And that you can be able to close doors that nobody can open. These are the keys of David. So we get to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And we're going to read together to verse 3. If you turn in your Bible to Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 3. We find some interesting things here. It says in Genesis 1, 1 that in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. I said two weeks ago that this was made fully and completely. In Genesis 1-1, when God made the heaven and the earth, the heavens and the earth were perfect. If you go later on in scriptures in the book of Jeremiah, it says that when God makes something, he makes it to be inhabited he makes it the bible says specifically quoting from genesis 1 the prophet says he makes it to be without void without void but we get to the second verse and we find that if the state of the earth was habitable if it was perfect if it was without void but we get to verse 22, verse, excuse me, verse 2, we find there's a problem. It says, the earth now was without form, and it was void. 
exactly opposite of what the prophet said when God made the earth, it was made without void. But here we discover he's saying that something had happened from verse 1 to verse 2 that now it was without form and it was void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Can you say the face of the waters? So we discovered two weeks ago that there was what we call the Luciferian flood. Genesis 1, we see another flood. We are all familiar with the, uh, the Noah's flood. Am I right if we're familiar with Noah's flood? In the Christian circles, we're familiar with Noah's flood. That At that time, God had destroyed the earth. But there was another time that the earth was destroyed before the time of Noah, and that destruction was the time of the fall of Lucifer. When Lucifer rebelled against God, he was, Jesus said it like this, he was cast down to the earth like lightning. We find in, the, um, in Isaiah chapter 14 where Lucifer rebelled against God. It says that he was cast down to the earth and woe unto the inhabitants that has seen him. And there was great destruction when he was cast down. But we find in Genesis chapter 2 that Lucifer had already been fallen. He was already in the garden. So the fall of Lucifer had to happen before Genesis chapter 2 when, this, when that snake was slithering around the tree. We find that Lucifer had fallen sometime between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And there was the Luciferian flood that had left the earth totally covered in water. Totally destroyed in the Luciferian flood. So now the earth, and this is written in my book called Reality or Religion. We don't have copies here, but you can find it on Amazon. Amen. We find that the earth was without form and void. It was covered in water. We had discovered a scientific fact that if you remove the sun from the earth, you would freeze. I shared a little joke about the Philippine president. I could repeat it today. The Philippine president was with Vladimir Putin and President Trump. And they were having a discussion about whose nation is the greatest. And Vladimir Putin said, well, we were the first person to send a human being into outer space. And Trump said, yes, that's correct, Mr. Putin. However, we were the first person to send somebody to the moon. And then the president of the Philippines, his name was Estrada. He said, that is true, Mr. Trump. However, we are going to be the first country to send somebody to the sun. And Vladimir Putin looked at him, and he said, you can't send somebody to the sun. They'll burn before they get there. And he said, no, 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 no. Aha, we're going to send them at night. <laughs> so we realize that the absence of the sun causes total and complete frozen sub 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 zero cold so now we find the earth is a ball of water we see that there is no sun because genesis chapter 3 we see where the sun begins to shine again am i right verse look at it it says and god said let there be light 
and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. So we see that at this third verse, light has come out into being. So if there was no sun, the, the state of this frozen ball of water would be ice. Can you say ice? Not ice cream, but ice age. We have the ice age. So we're finding that there is no gap between what science teaches and what the Bible teaches. That there was an ice age. There was billions of years of earth history. We find it right here in the scriptures. Isn't that interesting? So we go on to says here in verse 2, let's read that again. It says, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the Why darkness? Because there was no light. No sun, no light means frozen. And the darkness was upon the face of the deep. Can you say face of the deep? And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said to the face, let there be light. Interesting of these words used by Moses here. Face in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word panim, meaning the surface of a person. Can you say with me the surface of a person? We gaze upon the beautiful, glistening blue lake or oceans or rivers, and we think they're, we think they're so beautiful and so attractive and so nice and calm, but what lies beneath we don't see. What lies beneath is sharp rocks. What lies beneath is also some beautiful mysteries, some fresh salmon, but also there's some dangerous sharks. There's some electric eels. There's some stingrays. So we see that we, the surface of the ocean is beautiful, but what is inside is much deeper than what could be seen on the surface. That's why he calls it the face. And light now is going to go into the face, almost, almost imaging the light of God's word coming into our face. You might see somebody smiling on the outside. They might say, praise the Lord. They may say, hallelujah. They might say, God has called me. They may say, I'm a saint of God. But deep inside, lurking, maybe a fraud, maybe an adulterer. Maybe a liar, maybe a backstabber. They're full of good things and bad things. They're full of, 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 of positive traits and wonderful giftings and anointings, but full of problems and generational curses and bad attitudes and, 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 and betrays and, and lack of responsibilities, full of some laziness, and, but also full of some good ethics and good principles. So we see deep like the ocean, so is man full of all kinds of complexities both good and bad so how does God solve this problem he speaks to the face and says let there be light and light enters the face of the waters just as light goes through the face of man, dividing light from darkness, accusing and excusing light from dark, right from wrong, good from evil, purpose from the profane. When the word of God begins to come into your soul, into your face, into your head, into your ears and your eyes, because it don't come through your elbows, it comes through the ears and it comes through the eyes, things begin to separate and light begins to separate from darkness. 
That's why the scripture says, as Bishop Mapemba had preached, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It enters to the eyes, it enters to the ears. So the first thing we find now, we get down to the 22nd verse, 22nd meaning light. We find the first thing that God blessed. And then when we get to verse 26, we find the first thing that God gave dominion over was the first thing that God blessed. Take a look at verse 22 with me in your Bible. Well, just in case you don't know, Let's, what he's saying on verse 22. Let's take you a couple verses ahead. Let's take you to verse 20. On the screen, verse 20. Just so you know what he's saying in verse 22. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. So God's speaking to the waters. And he's creating sea life. The fish, say the fish. Let the waters bring forth abundantly. I love the fact that when God does something, he always does it in abundance. Hallelujah. If God just barely paid your rent, I have to say there's more to God than that. Amen. If God just barely met your needs, I have to say there's more to God than that. Because everything that he does, if he's unrestrained by human unbelief, if he's unrestrained by the humanity, when he's released to do something, he does it abundantly. That's why Pastor Randy Hooper told us last year, he said, you don't pray for your rent to be paid. Don't pray for your bills to be paid. Don't pay for God to meet your budget. Always pray for God to do more than your budget. Give him room because you can have what you ask. And if you ask for him just to meet your needs, then you'll get just that. Praise the Lord. Woo. We paid that rent by the skin of our teeth. Hallelujah. But why don't we start to ask him for more? Hallelujah. Because God does things abundantly. Verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. The moving creature that hath life and the fowl that it may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters, say the waters, brought forth abundantly after their kind, every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the first thing that God blessed was sea life. The fish, say the fish. And God blessed the fish, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. The first thing that God blessed was fish. Thus, we have the title of my message, Fish Come First. The first thing God blessed was fish. Why is that significant? We established last time the fish represents provision. The first miracle that Jesus did to get his disciples to follow him was he did the miracle of providing the boat sinking, net-breaking load of fish. The first miracle that Jesus did to restore Peter before he would reap in stake ministry, he did it the same miracle again with the fish. And Joel, we'll see later on today, that the first miracle God did before he poured out the Spirit was the, the provision of, excuse me, the miracle of provisions. Provisions are, how do you think the apostles paid for 
three years following Jesus. Some of them were married. They had kids. How do you think they financed three years? They were fishermen working. They dropped everything, left everything. How do you think they financed that three years of ministry? They did it through the net-breaking, boat-seeking load of fish. God had provided them enough harvest through that one incident to supply the finances for their families for the next three and a half years. Because before you can do the ministry, you have to have money. Amen. Otherwise, you're begging like some pauper. Oh, we'd like to have you come down here and rap at our ministry. Well, uh, I'd love to come, but can you pay my flight? And uh, we're going to need a hotel. And, you know, and they're like, well, you know, that's really not in the budget. Can you do it? You know, your hands are tied when you don't have money. Hallelujah. But when somebody calls me to preach, I pay my own way. I pay my own hotels. I pay my own flights. Amen. I'm not limited. And there are times where I am limited because I just don't have it to do. Then I have to believe God for the provision to go. Amen. Because the provision has to come first. We want to build a ministry, a church in India, in Andhra Pradesh, where, where he's planted a church there called New Life Apostolic. We wanted to go there. We want to do that. But we, the first thing we need is what? We need the money to go. Otherwise, we're already gone. Hallelujah. We need the money to go. So provision has to precede calling. Provision has to precede your ministry. You can't do ministry, especially at the level God wants you to, come on, without the provision. If we had the provision right now, we would have billboards up all across the city. River Church, come to River Church. We have billboards up all across the city if we had the provision. So we realize that provision has to come first so you can do it the way God wants you to do it. Amen. So the first thing that God blessed was provision, which is interesting because provision was blessed before he created man. So we see that God had provided for man, and let's just even take it away from man. Let's say me. Say God's provided for me before he made me. Yeah, before Adam was made, all the fruits, all the vegetables, all the animals, all the fish, everything was here in abundance before Adam was made. And then we get to verse 26. And we find the first thing that God gave Adam dominion over. And God said, let us make man in our image, act to our likeness, and let them have dominion over what? The fish of the sea. Some people might think that's an accident. You're just stretching the scriptures. You're just kind of stretching this verse, stretching that verse to try and make some that. That's just ended by coincidence. Well, they, they missed service two weeks ago. Because last two weeks ago, I showed you how every 49th letter in the Hebrew alphabet from Genesis through Exodus says... Torah, 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 Torah. If there was one word written wrongly, if Moses would have just said it this way and not that way, you would not have this. But, but, but it is so perfectly written that from Genesis to Exodus, every 49th letter says Torah, 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 Torah going forwards. 
ceasing in the book of Leviticus, center of the Torah, starting again in, 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 in Numbers and in Deuteronomy, but this time backwards. 49th letter of every sentence. Torah, 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 Torah. All the way throughout Deuteronomy. All the way throughout Numbers. Pointing to Leviticus. Which has no 49th letter pattern. But if you take the 7th number. In the Hebrew. You find Yud, He, Vad, He. Throughout the entire book of Leviticus. So you have an arrow going this way in Genesis and Exodus. The word of God, the word of God, the word of God. From Deuteronomy to Numbers, you have an arrow going this way, the word of God, word of God. Pointing to the center book, which says, yud He vad He, Yahweh, Jehovah. Nothing is in this scripture by accident. Everything is put in here so to the perfection of only God that we have laws in theology called the law of first mention. And so we begin to study the law of first mention and we find the first thing that God blessed was our provision. The first thing that he gave us dominion over was our provision. Because without dominion over finances, you can't do it. They say in the streets of Chicago, no money, no honey. Amen. In Beijing, a woman will not even marry you if you don't own a house. Amen. Nowadays in Oklahoma, they'll marry you if you just own a bag of weed. Amen. <laughs> well, you got some weed. I'll go with you, you know. And when he's out, I got to go. Time's up, you know. No money, no honey. So the first thing God blessed was provision. And I began to study this. What's the second thing he blessed? I found the second thing he blessed was, was people. Verse 26. And God blessed them. And he gave them the same blessing. Verse 22. Look at verse 22 again. And then look at verse, verse 20, 28. Same exact wording. 22. God blessed them, said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters. Look at verse 28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Same exact words. Be fruitful, fruitful. Multiply, multiply. But to the fish, replenish the sea. To the man, replenish the earth. In other words, occupy your territory. Fish, occupy your territory. Man, occupy your territory. You have to understand that occupy is a military word. Occupy doesn't mean we just sit down and squat and hold on and pray the devil doesn't take us. Occupy means to conquer, to go forward, to have conquest, to take land. Hallelujah. Amen. We're a conquering ministry. Hallelujah. We bought this building. I said this is building number one. I said next step was... The millennial church is building, but then they bought it. Hallelujah. I said, well, give them a few years. I'll make them an offer. Hallelujah. We'll make them an offer they can't refuse. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And that's just, that's, that's just one. Then we're talking about maybe going to England and buying another building. You know, we're just not going to settle down and buy a church and say we arrived and just, you know, and pastor our little flock. Are you kidding me? There's over 7 billion people in the world. We have to take and conquer and win and buy and advance nonstop. Remember, it was when David got comfortable with this kingdom that he fell into sin with Bathsheba. We have to keep going. We have to keep taking. We have to keep believing. We have to keep growing because whatsoever is not growing is dead. If it's not growing, it's dead. Amen. That's what a swamp is. And swamps, only dead things are there. Amen. So he tells him, fill the earth, occupy. He tells the fish, fill the earth, occupy. It's the same blessing. Say the same blessing. Amen. Then he, the third thing he blessed is the rest. He blessed the Sabbath. He blessed the rest. The fourth thing he blessed was relationships, the family. He blessed the, the, the Noah and his sons in Genesis 9-1. And the fifth thing he blessed in Exodus 18-10, and this is all recap for those who weren't here, was the Lord. Exodus 18.10, if you do these things and you live in these blessings, then God himself is blessed. That's why it's the fifth blessing. Five is the number of grace. So we live in this pattern of blessing. Amen. Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. I like to note that he said them, meaning male and female. In other words, if your husband is a bump on the log, good for nothing. <laughs> well, it's your fault because you married him for a bag of wheat. Anyways, <laughs> if he's good for nothing, the woman still could operate in the blessing and the whole household is taken care of. Hallelujah. Or vice versa. The woman could be good for nothing, but, but the man can operate in the blessings, and she's in the whole family is blessed because the man operates because God blessed them, both of them. Amen. Say both of them. God, verse 27, created man in his image, in, his, in the royal identity. The image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them, and God blessed them. So be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. Now the interesting thing is, we find the same verbiage later on in Scripture. We find it in Genesis 1.22. We find it in Genesis 1.28. And you would think that it would cease with Adam because Adam squandered the blessing. We think that it would cease because Adam ate the apple. Eve and Adam ate the apple. So you would think it would cease. But you find that the same blessing continues on, watch this, past sin. It goes on in Genesis 9. Genesis 9, 1 through 2. The same blessing is given to Noah and his sons. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The same blessing is given to Abraham, that through you, Abraham, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Then the same blessing goes on to the New Testament church in Luke 9, 16. 
Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The same blessing is continuing that through the disciples, the cities and the world will be turned upside down. The same authority, the same blessing, the same fruitfulness, the same calling to occupy all the way from Genesis 16 to 22, verse 22, once 22, to 9 to 12, all the way throughout Scripture. God's intent for you to have dominion over finances, for you to be blessed, for you to grow, for you to increase, for you to prosper has never changed. He said, I am the Lord, and I changeth not. God is going to pour out his spirit in a mighty revival. Take a look at Joel 2.28. It starts out in this famous prophetic King James verbiage that we've never took the time to study out before. We've heard it preached in charismatic Pentecostal circles because it sounds good and it is good, but we never took the time to consider what's he talking about here. Joel, J-O-E-L, 2.28. And... It shall come to pass afterward. Can you say with me afterward? We know that he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and daughters will prophesy, that your young, young men will dream dreams, your old men will have visions, and your young men will have visions, old men will dream dreams. We know that God will do this, but we've never paid attention to what comes before that. It says here, Afterward. Say afterward. Before the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which I believe we're about to see in the coming months and years. But before that, which means even sooner than the coming months and years, that means right on the threshold. If I could say in the King James way, I would say it, like, how, how did I say in the King James? It said the kingdom of God is at hand, right at hand. How many of you believe that there's a mighty revival coming to the earth in the soon, in the soon, soon future? If not our beginning. That means that that, that revival is after something else. So if that's after something else, that means right now we are on the threshold. We are on the cusp of something else. What is that? Well, just rewind three, four verses. Go to verse 23. We're going to read 23, 24, 25, 26. And I'll read it too once we put it on the television screen. Or I'll just read from my Bible here. Amen. Let's go to Joel. She has it on the screen. She's faster than me now. Two. 23. 24. 25. This is what comes before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Your floors 
shall be full of wheat. Your vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore the years that the locust hath eaten and the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the caterpillar, that great army which was sent among you. And you shall eat plenty, hallelujah, and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God for he hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. And afterward. In other words, what comes prior to this revival that we're, we're praying for, that we're entering in, what comes prior to that is a transfer of divine wealth. Supernatural, abundant financial prosperity for the children of Abraham. And if you're a child of Abraham, say amen. If you don't know it, it's because you don't go to this church yet. I'll teach you you're a child of Abraham. Amen. You're a child of Abraham. And this, what will come before the revival is the outpouring of financial abundance. That's what we're preparing for. But we have, we heard this message in the 90s and, and we gave our rent money, hallelujah. And then we were broke and then we said, man, this faith stuff don't work. And we gave our, 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 our offerings, we donated all kinds of things and never saw anything back. And we thought this stuff doesn't work. We thought maybe this is the, some pro prosperity gospel. Maybe this is just some kind of extreme thing. Maybe this is not what the scripture says because we have misunderstood that the wealth transfer doesn't come from laying on the sofa eating flaming hots. Listening to Kenneth Copeland tapes, confessing your way into prosperity. That, my friend, does not work. Proverbs 13, 22. The wealth transfer is as real as I'm standing here today in front of you. It's as, it's, it's, solidified by the holy word of God. Proverbs 13.22 didn't come out of an E.W. Kenyon book or from a Leroy Thompson camp meeting. Proverbs 13.22 A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God gives the wicked labor and travail to heap up and to store financial vats of wealth so that he may give it to him that is good before God. That's what the word of God says. But how does then the wealth transfer work? And this is where we've missed it. The wealth transfer works, not working for Laban. Not going to happen through a nine-to-five job, and just because you've confessed it and sowed a seed, you're going to all of a sudden have Bill Gates send you all his money. Sorry. That was la-la land gospel. The wealth transfer comes through, watch this, marketplace transactions. That as the kingdom of God, the people of God begin to move in the marketplace, that his favor will come upon you and the transfer will begin.
take a look at 2 Kings, verse 4. That's what happened here. Came to this building, rented a little room. Favor of God came upon me. And we negotiated to receive a $5 million property with no money down. Because the favor comes upon you when you begin to step out and to transact in the marketplace. Do you understand me? 2 Kings 4, verses 3 through 6. Watch. He says to him, to the widow woman, he said, go borrow vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. She went and got herself a PPP, a, a economic disaster. She went and she got assets of her neighbors. And he says that when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and thy sons and shalt begin to pour oil into those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. And she went from him, she shut the door upon and her, her and upon her sons and who brought the vessels to her and she poured out, say she poured out. She went to work. She sent her sons to work. She went door to door. She sent her sons door to door. And she went out into the neighborhood, went out into the village, went out into the marketplace, and began to prepare for an outpouring. And it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her sons, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is no more vessels left, and the oil stayed. Once she stopped doing business, the blessing stopped. But as long as she was doing business, as long as she was pouring out, as long as she was getting the vessels, there was a continual flow that did not stop. We find the same thing in Exodus chapter 3. I won't preach it today. We'll go through it next week because some people want to go to a barbecue today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But we find the same thing in Exodus chapter 3. The children of Israel went to all the Egyptians and said, give me your gold. Give me your diamonds. Give me your jewels. And the favor of God upon them, I mean, think about it. If you had a, a maid working in your house, helping you clean up, and she said, can I borrow your Rolex in your diamond wedding ring and can I borrow your your Lexus for a couple days the baby just yelled out she said it no did you hear that she said no not my Lexus hallelujah I like what Kanye West said she couldn't afford a car so she named her daughter Alexis hallelujah <laughs> not my Lexus hallelujah amen they the, but because the favor, whatever they asked for, they gave her. They gave, excuse me, they gave the children of Israel. And the Bible says that the children of Israel walked out with all the wealth and possessions that the Egyptians had heaped up, travailed, saved, and worked for. But they went and they negotiated, and they talk, and the favor upon them transferred the wealth. Amen. We're talking about another restaurant 
And I said, let's just go say, hey, give it to us, and, you know, just give it to us, hallelujah. Because I believe the favor of God will come upon you when you begin to operate in the marketplace. Time, fa- I can sit up here and testify and testify and testify, prove it to you. A young man from my church in Chicago, working as a waiter, African-American man with, with no money, working as a waiter, but began to hear this gospel and began to operate in the laws of faith. And he wrote down the vision of owning a chain of restaurants. And he was working as a waiter. And he worked in that restaurant as if he was the owner. He treated that restaurant like he was the owner. He dressed up in a suit and tie every day to work. He greeted people at the door. He, he saw, oversaw other people's tables. He ran that place like he was the owner. And there was a husband and wife that came into the restaurant. I've told this testimony before. And in Chicago, and they sat down to eat. And he greeted them at the door. He sat them down. He waited at their table and so forth. And the lady asked him, how long have you owned this restaurant? This is our first time here. And he said, no, ma'am. He said, actually, this is not my restaurant. I have a chain of restaurants in my spirit. Because I'm going to own a chain of restaurants all throughout America. I have 13 restaurants on paper. But as of now, I'm just treating this place as if it was my own. And she said, do you have a business plan? He said, yes, I do. She said, can I see it? He said, uh, you know, I'll send you, I'll send you the email. She said, me and my husband want to invest the first $3 million into your first shop. Come back tomorrow, meet us at the bank, and we're going to transfer you $3 million. This man now owns a chain of restaurants in Chicago. Given to him by, do you know who those couple were? It was the CEO of McDonald's and her husband. You see, it didn't happen just at home, naming it and claiming it, which is part of it. But you have to get out there in the marketplace and work like you're the owner and run the business like you're the owner and trade in the marketplace. The favor of God will come upon you just like it did Joseph. And he went from being a prisoner to being a captain of the prison to being the captain of Egypt because he began to engage the marketplace. God has called the children of light to be in dominion over this earth's finances. He's provided the wealth of this earth before we were born, but he's waiting for us to get that anointing and to take it into the marketplace and begin to trade. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet today. Father, we ask you today. There's kings and there's priests in this place, but even the priests can operate as kings as we see through David. There are those of us called to business, those of us called to ministry, and there's those of us called to do both. As in this last day approaches, as this final hour approaches, as this end time revival approaches, Father God. You are preparing the church, Father God, 
everyone who believe, everyone who receive, everyone who will grasp it, everyone who will take it, everyone who will go in and trade in the marketplace, Father God, to possess the wealth of the heathens, to possess the wealth of this land. Therefore, having this hope, do we sanctify ourselves and lift our heads and hands to God, knowing that we are the vessels just like those widow women went and she looked and searched for vessels, the Spirit of God is brooding over the face of the earth once again, searching for what? Searching for vessels. Catherine Coleman said, God's not looking for gold and silver vessels, but for yielded vessels. And if we yield our lives over to God and receive the word with gladness, then we can be vessels for this wealth transfer. And with that resources of heaven, we'll bring this gospel to the ends of the earth. To not just the down and out, but to the up and out. And Father, we ask you to prepare us Prepare us to be used. Prepare us to be used as givers. Prepare us to be used as vessels to receive the wealth of the nations. Prepare us to be used as prophets in the courthouses, prophets in the houses of the kings, and prophets in the marketplace, and prophets in the ghettos, and prophets in the trailer homes, and prophets gone to this world. Because we are not only a kingdom of priests, but we are a kingdom of prophets. Hallelujah. We are the voice of God to the lost and dying world. We are the voice of God to the wicked. We are the voice of God to nobles and magistrates and authorities. We are the voice of God to society. We are not let radicals in the critical race theory and liberals take our place in society with intimidation but Father God we will take the places of dominion and influence in every sphere of society Father God and we'll be a light we'll be a light expelling darkness bringing hope and salvation to our generation. And we believe, God, that we are the finest and the greatest generation. We believe that you saved the best wine for last. We believe, Father God, that you had saved the fastest runners for this last leg of the race and that we are going to bring it home, baby. So we don't flinch, we don't doubt, we don't draw back, we don't do like it says in Joel, stab one another. But we lift up each other, we cheer each other on, and we go after the harvest. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody give God a shout of praise in this house.
this Independence Day in America, we celebrate the fact that we are made to bring independence to the nations of the earth and to bring independence to everyone that is bound by the devil. For we are called the liberators. We are called the children of God. We are called the peacemakers. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. I'm Bishop Joseph Castillo, and this is Living Proofs Podcast. I know you are blessed and encouraged, and I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. He died for your sins, so you don't have to die in that mucky mire of sin. He had lifted you up, shed his blood, so you could be forgiven of everything that you've ever done. And all you need to do is open up the door and let the King of Glory come into your heart with the words of your lips. Repeat after me. And God will start a new chapter in your life today. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now, just as I am. I am a sinner born in sin. But God, you sent your son to die for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. Wash me in the blood. Forgive my sins. Send your spirit in my heart. From this day forward, I have new life. I have boldness to share the gospel with others. And Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to contact the ministry. You could Facebook us. You could email us. You could Instagram us. We're, we're on all those platforms. Bishop Joseph Castillo. Just go to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email me if you want. Bishop at the RiverChurchTulsa.com. And we'd like to give you a free gift so you can understand this new walk with Christ that God has given you today. It's my book called Reality or Religion, The Beginner's Guide to Faith. We'll send you a copy. If this broadcast has blessed you, I want you to share it with others. And I want you to also partner with our ministry. Help us carry the good news of the gospel across the earth. And you can do so at at theriverchurchtulsa.com or asiarevival.com. Once again, that's asiarevival.com or theriverchurchtulsa.com. If you need prayer, feel free to call us at 773-599-7197.